Big thank you to our newest supporter, Ultimate Direction. Excited to use their packs throughout all of 2019. Excited to tell you, you know, what pack I really like and what I'm using throughout the year. Big thank you to Destination Trail. Really like what they're doing, Candace Burt and her team. Enjoyed their Moab 240 race. I'm going to do the triple here soon, but they have a variety of races that you guys definitely need to check out if you have some free time. Thank you to Exoskin. If you haven't tried them, feel free to use my promo code T, the number 4U20 for 20% off. They make socks, calf sleeves, high-quality base layers with patented fiber technology that provides superior protection against chafing, blisters, hot spots, and most importantly, odor. But they are looking for ambassadors, so check out their website if you're looking for an ambassadorship. Big thank you to Hammer Nutrition. I know I'll be using a lot of their gels and Perpetuum and Recoverite throughout 2019. Also their Fizz. And yeah, if you haven't tried Hammer, feel free to use my promo code. It is 2528888 and you'll save 15% off your first order. And lastly, thank you to Sufferfest Beer. Beer with benefits. I know I'm willing to sweat for this beer, that's for sure. But they have a, a big variety. So if you haven't tried out the Taper, the Repeat, the shakeout fkt and flyby give them a shot definitely try them out it's just a good tasting beer welcome to training for ultra the podcast Hey everybody, Scott Jones here with Coming Ultra. I'm here with Rob Steger, Training for Ultra. Man, we're so creative in how we name our projects, Rob. We we have very similar name projects and we also live very close by. I don't know what's going on here. A lot of similarities, a, a lot of ultra running. I wanted to tell you, um, we're going to talk about your book a little bit today. This is going to be a, a pretty quick episode, guys. Uh, we're going to talk about his book that he recently just put out, which is really cool. Um, and then we're going to talk about season seven uh, for Becoming Ultra. So we're going to interview each other um in these short little in the, in the short little format but the i want to go into your stuff first of course okay season season seven this is something that we started uh it'll be four years this summer um so we're doing things a little different but it's just a really fun project but i think we both when it all comes down to it have a very similar goal just inspiring people to get out there and do epic stuff um that's what it's all which, about man. yeah which in turn inspires our you know ourselves to go out and do cool things i'm looking at your book here so i'm gonna ask you some questions training for ultra um First of all, the cover, I think I have a picture almost exactly like that with me and my, but my two, I have two sons. Um, you're kind of running on this, this gravel path. I know, I think you're up on the bluffs if I, if I know the area. That's exactly <laughs> where we were. Yeah. Yeah. That's how close we are to each other. I know exactly where you're running. You know um, where the cover photo is. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I think I have the exact same picture, but, um, and, and that's a powerful picture. Like just you run next to your, it looks like your son. He's probably three or four in the picture. Maybe. I don't know. He looks young. Yeah. He's like three, I think. And yeah. That's fast hiking to him yeah he goes hey dad i'd really like to go on a fast hike with you i'm like oh you mean trail running i was like yes this is one of the greatest moments in my life my son just asked me to go running oh that's so, awesome yeah i'm sure you've had similar similar first time experiences i mean oh yeah it's the best i was down at uh castle rock we have this little mini incline out here if you guys aren't from colorado and uh there's about 200 steps and then there's like a little quarter mile trail that comes down to this playground and park and everything it's really fun to bring the kids out there because it's short enough that they can do it without you know having to do the big old hike back down to the car you know and uh 
we were out there yesterday. My my oldest son said he didn't want to do it because it was too easy. There weren't enough steps. <laughs> Time for Pike's Peak. <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. The real incline. That's awesome. Hey, I so, mean, so about the book, it's there's something in there for everyone. I I hope to just almost pay it forward in a in a weird sense. You know, Dean Carnassus was a huge uh, inspiration of mine. I read his book. It changed my life. I didn't think ultra running was well, first of all, I didn't even know what that was, but I just related to that story so much, and I feel like it's almost my obligation to pay pay forward the inspiration, and you'll hear all all the ups, all the downs, and there's a few surprises in there that I've never shared before, um, just on my personal running background. But this isn't just a this isn't a book just glorifying you know running 20 ultras in my first three years of running. It's I just share everything. I'm I'm an open book, and now I literally will have a book to just um, hopefully inspire you guys to yeah. get out there and get after it, and you know show you that you're capable of more, and just never they, give up. You know, is there a certain type of person that you think this would really resonate with? Um, I mean, my story just I my story is 50, losing fifty pounds and. I mean, initially I couldn't run one mile, so uh, talk about, you know, just being stressed, a bunch of life stress and how I was coping with it and how I, over time, you know, found, you know, true happiness and how I found a way to relieve stress in a healthy manner. And it's not, typically the ultra running stories that are out there, those books are like, I mean, we're all extreme if we're ultra runners, but... You know, they're like bad drug problems or like horrible alcohol related issues or just like a lot of these like super, super extreme stories. And I would say my my background's just kind of somewhat normal. You know, I'm just stressed out from work. I'm a dad trying to balance all this stuff out and discover the trails and get after it. And I don't want to give any of the uh, story away, but this, the distances keep getting longer and longer and the last chapter, I find myself in Moab running the Moab 240. So nice. It's a cool progression over three years. It's unique, and hopefully, it inspires you know the listener that you can actually run an ultra marathon, like if yep. you're training smart. So no, I love it, and, and um, just the, I talk about it all the time on on our show uh, the fact that you don't have to have. You know, everybody probably has some demons, but you don't have to have demons to go for a long run. It, yeah. it, it brings so much to you from just a physiological standpoint that you don't even need those big crazy reasons. Um, uh, you know, I think a lot of the stories were were first and foremost in the minds of, of consumers. But really, it's for anybody. Anybody who wants to put in the time, have a positive change in their life, positive physiological and psychological change in their life, and uh, and you can get people around you inspired by doing some some big stuff. So I think... The way that our, our trajectory kind of goes is, is very similar. You, you're kind of going out there and, and sharing your own story and inspiring people and then getting other people's stories involved with your podcast and stuff that you've started. And I'm trying to get as many people out there as possible in every aspect of my life, whether they're ultra running or training for a triathlon or getting back into some kind of sport. Um, that's what my background's been, get people moving and enjoying the movement. And ultra running is that medium right now for becoming ultra. It's been pretty cool. Hey, where can people find Training for Ultra, the, the book anyway? I'm working on an audiobook as we speak, which is incredibly difficult. <laughs> so if you ever listen to an audiobook, 
and it's like the actual author reading it. Um, yeah, uh, think twice before you criticize it. But um, <laughs> I'll hopefully have an audible book, um, and it's available on Amazon for Kindle. So I've decided to do the digital copy on Amazon, and uh, the actual physical one is available on my website, trainingforultra.com, and I'll uh, I'll make sure to sign all the the pre-orders and the whole big you know book release everything all those formats should come out february 27th so hopefully yeah it's coming up i'm pretty excited i've been working on this project for years now and uh yeah i mean check it out there's something in there for everyone and i think some of the stories might surprise you i think it really gets good halfway through the book so if you get halfway through and you're like oh this is horrible you know just wait just wait (laughs) <laughs> no, it's let's, awesome. Let's talk about um, Becoming Ultra Season 7. What, yeah, man. What is Becoming Ultra? If, you know, if a new listener is just tuning in, like, what's what's kind of the core concept um, yeah. of each season? Yeah, you know, uh, back in 2014, 15, um, me and Ian Charman, who I'd, I, I'd interviewed him a couple times, we kind of got along really well. Um, he has a company called Charmin Ultra, so he, he's got coaches on his site and I was like I really want to share the stories of people who are running an ultra for the first time so let's document it from day one their first training run until they go run it yes yeah, they had to have a little bit of a base we weren't going to just take people that have no, it wasn't couched to 50k by any means but you know a little base running a little bit but never really anything more than a half marathon or so and we did that the first year and we we documented via podcast and video um every single coaching call so every two weeks a given runner would hop on with Liza Howard or with Ian or, or one of the coaches we had and we would just share those stories and, and watch the transformation over the six to seven months that we would do this. And so we've done this for four years and every um, at the end of every season we pick another race that we think would be fun to get people together at and, uh, and then we have an application period which we're doing right now and people can apply to be one of the runners. You know, you're, you're hiring a coach so it's it's not like we were giving away anything amazing, but we are we are able to um, hack into really really high level accountability because when you know thousands of people are listening to you and following your story and giving you kudos and all that stuff, um, it definitely affects how you train. So we're oh, we're able to. I can't agree more. <laughs> it's awesome, isn't it? Like you just have that. You know you know people. You've told people what you're doing, especially in the social media age. They know you're doing it, and you're out there on a big long training run or your your event, and uh, it's a little more inspiring. So. I always kind of say the special sauce is the accountability, but um, yeah, we've since I've since been coaching my own clients on the calls. We try to get as many different types of people as runners um, in the project, so that so many different types of people listening can see themselves in those runners and realize that anybody can do it. And uh, and it's worked out pretty well. I mean, even last season we had a 67 year old woman um, all the way down to a 25 year old single mom that. Uh, competed and completed their first ultra uh, down in Texas. Um, I think we had seven or eight that were that we were following on the podcast. So it's cool. You get this high level. We have Ellie Greenwood, who's an amazing runner. She's been ultra runner of the year a few times. We've got Liza Howard, who who is an amazing runner, and and she has all the accolades as well. And then myself, and I, I brought on one more coach this year. We'll be coaching up some of the other other runners. Um, for the race that we chose this year is Cloud Splitter. It's a it's a big mountainous race back in Virginia. Nice and, easy uh, one. Yeah, nice easy one. So we, we this is a different one. Like the first year we did the Power of Four in Aspen. Do you know that one? Uh, I I don't actually. I so know a, I, I know Aspen. That's 
not going to be an easy course. I mean, oh, it's a brutal 50k. And we had our one runner did it in about 11 hours. She beat the she beat the cutoff of 12 hours. But um, but this one we're we're given about two extra months of training in the training cycle because of the elevation that cloud splitter. And it's our first East Coast race. That's um, cool. El, it's Ellie's first year coaching. Um, Steph and I will be coaching um, some of the other runners that don't. You know, we have the two main featured spots, but the people who don't get the featured spots will be coaching people up and. It's just a great community, man. We've built a, a really cool community. We usually have anywhere from 15 to 35 people show up from all over the country and all over the world for, for these so far. And uh, and we've done we, – we're, we're changing things up every year. Like this year we have just a schedule of events of places that we're going to be able to, you know, do meetups and do run, fun runs and stuff, pre and post races and all that good stuff. So, we'll yeah, it's to, just a big old platform. Yeah, we'll have to plan something out, um, combine forces for something at some point oh, in yeah, person man. actually. Um, that's exciting. And so, I mean, I can sign up if, cause you said enrollment or, um, applications are open now. Yep. And so if I've run a marathon, can I still apply or let's say I've done a 50 K am I not eligible? So what we say is apply. If you're not sure, apply. Um, ideally you have not completed an ultra, but we do have people that apply for ultras all the time. And, and it's case by case. If we think like, if we think it's gonna be a challenge or, or if we think that you can make a big improvement in your pace or your approach or a big, you know, some kind of learning curve or coming off an injury, any of those things can 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 help your application. Um, as far as just training for your next race, like becoming ultra, you know, myself as a coach and Steph, like we take clients from all backgrounds, whether you run ultras or not. Um, but for the featured two runners, we kind of like to have a little more of a little more drama. People yeah. who haven't, you know, people who haven't really done it's, any of these big efforts. It's is relatable. Nice. I mean. Right. I think that's actually that's sort of why people started, you know, following my progress just because just a normal dude who had not run his whole life. Um, yeah. And so where where can I apply for this um, you know, potentially yeah, we, becoming ultra? We ke- we kept it simple, man. Becomingultra.com on the top uh, menu that you'll see a season 7 apply button. Just go hit that bad boy. So let's switch so it up. Let's let's end with I'm going to ask you three questions. You can throw three questions my way. Okay. Not rapid fire necessarily, but I want to hear what's your favorite race that you've ever done, regardless if it's an ultra marathon or not. My favorite race was not a formal race. And I've, um, my, so my dad passed away two years ago, two and a half in August. And, uh, the year after he passed away, which was last year, I wanted to, cause he was 62 when he passed away. So I wanted to run hundred K, which is 62 miles, of course. Um, where he retired in the state that he grew up in, which is West Virginia. So I went back and started at the highest point in the state with one of my best friends and, uh, well, a couple of my best friends. And we ran the 100K. My family was the crew, uncles, aunts, cousins, kids, wife, all that stuff. Yeah. And we finished under the stars where we used to, where we used to go stargazing on our vacations in West Virginia. So that was by far That's my favorite. Amazing. Yeah. What about you? My, my favorite ultra? Yeah. Um that's a hard one. Uh I I mean Moab two forty, I have to say. I don't I'm not gonna tell the listener if I finished it or not. Okay, it's pretty obvious I finished it, but um <laughs> the peaks and valleys, like I've done CCC, like one of the UTMB races, I've done Never Summer, which you're probably familiar with. I've done some some hard races and you know, some easier ones, but Moab was just a totally different level. Um when you start going into that third and fourth day, it's just next level type. 
problem solving and um yeah there's a few chapters on it but it there's some really there's some really good stories behind it i don't want to share everything i'm sorry scott i don't mean to avoid the question but oh, yeah moab 240 like hands down just a crazy experience and yeah i had, I had an all-star crew otherwise i don't know if i would have gotten lost and who knows what would have happened but there were some serious hallucination stories and some of the runners i came across and yeah yeah (laughs) that's awesome um okay here's here's a good question for you uh when it comes to to kids and training what is the one like without going too too in depth what's the what's the one tip you can give people for for training when you have kids oh my gosh that's that's such a good question because i get that more than like any question i think anytime someone reaches out that's like pretty much it (laughs) yeah um so I want to hear your response also, but I would say it's a team effort. I mean, I, I, I have to give my wife a lot of credit. Uh, a lot of times it's honey, I'm going to, you know, I need a long run. It's probably going to be two hours on the weekend. Like, you know, let's, let's try to work out something so that I can take the kids for that equal amount of time. And so she doesn't feel like she's getting, you know, shafted. And, um, so she can, go do whatever she needs to do she likes to run occasionally and uh and do whatnot so uh yeah it's in my opinion it's be a team with your significant other and try to work things out and plan it a little bit in advance but uh second secondly it would be the lunch run if i didn't if i didn't have an hour during lunch to run like i don't i don't think i would get half my training in so long run on the weekend work with my wife on timing that out and then yeah the lunch run holy crap yeah we gotta go we gotta we gotta go for some lunch runs because that's how i get most of my runs into <laughs> is that I, what is that your big piece of advice with kids i mean do you have I'd any say, other tricks for me i mean for me it's just be willing to get up early because even hitting the foothills it's 15 20 minutes to some of my favorite trails so you know if i want to go spend two or three hours on the trails i need to be, if, if i want to feel good about it i need to be back by nine or ten on a lot of these weekends you know yeah. So that's that's huge. You can go get three hours on Deer Creek or King okay. Carroll or some of these good trails that we have. Then, you know, not we, we're so spoiled out here, but to not get too picky is is huge. Just get the time on your legs, and and when you can get those bigger chunks, then go for it. Yeah. Yeah, I totally sure. agree. Hey, to think I, of one last final question, unless you have something good up your sleeve. I don't. Well, I have a basic one, but and then I have to go in about a minute because I forgot I have a live uh, Facebook thing that is going <laughs> to expire if I don't if I don't okay. get over there. Um, but the one no, actually, because me last time I met you or the first time we met, we had a beer. What's your favorite go-to post-race beer? Well, I mean, I'm a little I'm a little biased, but um, I'm a Sufferfest beer athlete. Um, they just got acquired recently. I I'm not really going to comment on that. But FKT by Sufferfest beer. If you haven't tried it, it's a damn good beer. Sorry, I'm, Let's not, try it. I'm not sure if I'm allowed to swear on yours. Yeah, you can. How matter. about you? Man, going with those New England IPAs these days, there's a local one, uh, Odd 13. Do you know those guys, Louisville? No. Anyway, really good. It's called Noob. That's my Noob. go-to these days. We'll, we'll have to share one. I'll bring an FKT. You bring a Noob, and uh, we'll have another beer. Th- we've that's only a, had that's... one so far, too. So That's a good plan, man. I like it. Cool. <laughs> Scott, I, I enjoyed it. Thanks for um, thanks for having me on, and thanks for being on my show also. 
yeah, I hope you guys go check out the book. I, I know a lot of the story, so I'm, I'm definitely not going to tease it out either. But um, good luck with recording that live. That is brutal. I, I've <laughs> I've heard the struggles from people trying to record their own story live. It's not easy. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Take care. Uh, Have a good Facebook Live, and um, I'll see you soon. Awesome, Rob. Appreciate it, man. See ya. All right, we're coming live from Black Canyon 100K here in Phoenix, Arizona. Figured for Training for Ultra, episode 78. We're here at an Airbnb with a bunch of people. Are we all running the race? Every single person here is running the race. Yeah. Do you guys want to just introduce yourselves really quick? And then I just wanted to chat pre-race thoughts and then go into some ultra running 101 and mainly talk to Tommy Byrne about <laughs> his diet habits <laughs> prior to the race. Um, but yeah, if you're watching on live stream, feel free to chime in with a question or two. We'll try to have Tommy grab some of them and throw them to the crowd. So you guys want to introduce yourselves real quick and say what distance you're running at Black Canyon? Dave, you want to start? Sure. Yeah, I'm uh, Dave Bronleg. I've been on the podcast a couple times. Um, I was on talking about my Colorado Trail hike last summer. And I crewed for Rob at the Moab 240 this year. This is going to be my second time running Black Canyon. Um, pretty excited. A little bit concerned about some of the river crossings and the mud. But I ran 11 hours, 2 minutes last year. So hopefully I can beat that uh, tomorrow. So we'll see. Nice. All right. I'm Jason Waslowski. And... This is my first time at Black Canyon. I'll be running the 100K. Um, I've been ultra running for about three years. Um, I've completed a 100 miler, a couple 50 milers. Um, I've been really running though for over 15 years. So I'm really looking forward to the experience. I'm from uh, Green Bay, Wisconsin. So really looking forward to the uh, nice weather and um, nice. hoping to have a good race. You're real slow too. So you're just trying to fight cutoffs. <laughs> Yeah, some some ambitious goals. So what's what's your goal for the race? Um, really, um, no one's listening. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, gonna, uh, I'm gonna go for a sub uh, sub ten hours. Sub ten. I'm yeah. kind of looking at I'm gonna go up hard and either go sub ten or maybe twelve plus. So. <laughs> <don't forget> <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Um, I'm Jenny Wazlowski and I'm his uh, wife. And yeah, it's my first time at the Black Canyon 100K. Super excited um, to be running a high profile race and just the great weather. Heard a lot of great things about the race. Um, and for me, I'm just looking for that Western uh, qualifying time. Not the golden ticket, but <laughs> <laughs> the sub 17 hour. But really, I just, you know, I want to finish it, obviously. <laughs> nice. But um, yeah. Uh, I'm Paul. Uh, I kind of just tagged along with Dave to come down here, and because they told me about the 100k, and I was like, shoot, is there something shorter? So, 60k sounds great. I don't have to compare it to any old times. So, nice. that, I'm loving the downhill profile as well. What's the longest yeah. run you've done? Have you done anything longer? I'm not 50, but yeah, okay. that was a few ages ago. Yeah. So, <laughs> nice. Uh, Tommy Byrne here. Um, I've been on the podcast. Uh, Rob's been supporting of Bigger Than Trail in the past. We've supported uh, Training for Ultra, so excited to be here with Rob. Um, I ran last year, and this year just trying to run a, a smarter race um, and have fun, so. Why, why smarter this time? Uh, what happened last I, time? I almost doubled my first 50, <laughs> 50K time last time, so 
That was a little bit of a bonk. Yeah. Uh, so I'm Garrett from Nashville. Um, first crack at this distance, first time at this event. And uh, just excited to be here. Coming in at 1659.59 or better. So. Yeah, that's a good goal. Uh, if, if I could do 13, it'd be fantastic. I'd, I'd be ecstatic with myself, but yeah, ultimate goal is to finish. Nice. Yeah, I'd say for the race, my goal, I mean, first and foremost is to finish, especially with the conditions, the way they're supposed to be. But I would say last year I did 13.31, so my A goal would be to beat that. B goal, maybe 15 hours. C goal, 17. <laughs> if things get really bad, yeah, we need finish. to finish. <laughs> so I'm looking forward to, you know, catching up with some friends on pacing and crewing me. So, but this is a fun, fun group here. Um, what are you guys' thoughts on the course conditions? I mean, Airvipe is really good at sharing all that kind of live info with people. Well, my thoughts, my thoughts are that everybody's running in the same conditions, so and it's out of our control. So I figure, you know, the less you can worry about that you can't, you know, can't control. I mean, the better. But I mean, of course, um, you don't want to be running through, you know, <laughs> ways to deep, you know, water. River crossings. Yeah. It is what it is. It might make it more exciting and maybe you know enjoyable. Yeah, I uh, expressed some concerns when I first started talking um, a moment ago about the course. Um, but we did do a, about a three-mile out and back from the finish today, and it was mostly dry. Though, speaking to um, the ultra rep at the expo today, he told me to expect ankle-deep mud in some spots. So, yeah, we'll see how, you, how, how bad you, that how is. You, how do you deal with mud during an ultra? You, you of suck all it people, up. Yeah, I ran, ran through a few of them. Like, is there... Can we alternate our foot strike or, I mean, is there anything other than mentally just being ready to deal with crappy conditions? Yes, yeah, so I ran a Arches 50 mile three weeks ago and there was some really bad mud in some spots. It was really um, claying up and sticking to the bottom of my shoes for this one four mile section. And really I just kind of, you know, gritted my teeth, just said, okay, it's the same for everyone and really shorten up your stride and just, you know, power through it because it's not going to last forever. So, yeah, just just endure. Embrace the suck when it comes. Yeah. Yeah, for the listeners' background, there's a drain in the kitchen that's <laughs> making some crazy noises. <laughs> um, so if you hear that, that's what's going on. Um, any other thoughts on the course? I mean, Tommy, what are you thinking? Just have fun. Uh, I mean, certainly. yeah, it's... It is what it is, like Jenny said, and we we all have to experience it. Obviously, as different, you know, where you are in the race at certain parts, might be muddy or might be slop. Like, just depends on how many people have gone on the trail. But again, we, as much as I worry about it or want perfect conditions, like it's not changing because I'm putting effort into this thought of a better trail. Yeah, um, exactly. So, I I actually told my pacer I'm like she was asking. What are you thinking? Like, what course do you want? And I'm like, mentally, I'm not committing to any course because I know it could change and it's not going to be helpful. I'm just excited to go. I actually like the challenge of a hard course. So, yeah, I mean, ultras are challenging, so I feel like, you know, the more challenging it can be, you know, better in some ways. But I might be one of the few that really I would like out and back sections. I like to see other runners, <laughs> I enjoy seeing other runners. Um, you know, faster ones coming back through or, you know, or even just, just yeah, meeting definitely. people and, 
just kind of gives you a boost of energy. Yeah, one thing I'd like to add is I think the uh, worst conditions and harder course always makes for a better story, so. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, definitely. Any other thoughts? Let's let's go over like 101. 100K 101. Drop bags. What do you even put in a drop bag for a 100K? And these two have a unique situation where <laughs> I've never even thought of this, but couples could share drop bags. That's actually kind of cool. I never thought about that. Yeah, but we what do you put in a drop bag? What like what's the logic? We kind of thought of the idea on the flight over here, so I didn't. I don't really use drop bags a whole lot. I usually just try to carry what I can. So yeah, um, I just thought it's a, a convenient way for me to uh, not have to prepare. A <laughs> <laughs> it got you out of drop bag duty. Well, I think for 100k, for me, I mean, running maybe twice as long as some people, I like to have a variety of different foods just in case. You know, um, I don't know some different chocolate type. Type thing, something with some fat in it, just because you know the gels can get really sickening. Um, yeah. Some different Cliff Bars, uh, yeah, definitely extra gels, and then socks. I'm definitely going to carry a pair of socks. I'm going to have socks in each drop bag for sure. Just, and then of course some anti-chafe stuff and extra clothes, uh, headlamp. Yeah, headlamps. Definitely can't forget. It's those. weird because it's like how many hours until you finish the raid, like. How quick are you gonna run the race? This is where you should put your your headlamp, but this could be a slow race if we hit like 20 miles of mud. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, I'd rather have it earlier just in my pack and I'll carry it for a few miles, I guess. That's what I did, I put it in an earlier pack than I thought I might. Or you might yeah. be slower than you expect. That, that was me last year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> where I didn't, I didn't plan anything, because I didn't, like, I just assumed stuff would go well, and uh, I didn't have a headlamp, I didn't have, I finished, at sunset, so I was okay, but it was one of those, this could get really ugly really fast, so I think just being prepared, that last eight, that, that last drop bag, having, you know, warmer clothes, a headlamp, um, can go a long ways if stuff goes south, because ultimately all of our goals are to cross the finish line, and if you get to a late aid station and you don't have the right gear, that can make it really hard, so... So you're having um, your headlamp at Table Mesa, mile 50? I'm going to have it okay. there. Yeah, that's what I'm planning on doing uh, as well. Mm -hmm. Are you even taking a headlamp? I'm <laughs> just going for the, going for the Better ticket. to have it and then be so well. I'll grab Jenny's if I need it. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I'm going to throw it <laughs> Mine will definitely be, be before that. I mean, I, I think, well, for me, I mean, 50 miles might, I don't know, might yeah. be dark. And for the listeners' background, Black Canyon 100K is a golden ticket raised for Western states. So the top two male and female runners win, you know, the prestige of a ticket to Western states. Kind of all of our dream in a weird way, just because of how difficult it is. And I've said, if there's a 99% drop rate, I could <laughs> potentially make top five <laughs> um, or top seven. Um, any other thoughts on drop bags? I mean, um, yeah, just to, there's, so there's three places I believe that you can have a drop bag, assuming that they don't change the course tomorrow, which hopefully they won't. Um, so there's one at like mile 20. My plan is to have some nutrition things in there and then also uh, potentially drop um, a layer because it's supposed to be, I think, about 30 degrees at the start. Um, Black Canyon City, mile 37, I'm going to have, again, some nutrition and also a battery and charger for my watch because I'll 
only get like 11 hours out of it and then have a headlamp at mile 50. So last year I finished um, like right when the sun was going down, right? Similar to Tommy, but you know, you don't want to be out there without it. So I think yeah. mile 50 for me is um, a safe spot to have, have the headlamp. But yeah, that's yeah. going to be different for everyone. I think you should also put things in a plastic bag. I use a cloth bag, but then inside a plastic bag, just in case there's rain or anything, just to mm -hmm. keep things, you know, yeah. keep the rain out of just basic stuff that maybe, you know, you wouldn't think of. Or Yeah, yeah. I ran into my, my first uh, ultra race, didn't think about the plastic bags, and it downpoured. <laughs> yeah. I was at uh, the Kettle Land. All my clothes were wet. My my oh. backup socks were soaked, so it did no good at all. So that's some I good do, advice. I do like smaller sub bags, so like oh, yeah. like with maybe four gels or however many gels I need, along with maybe a bar or two, and like it's just quick. Throw it in your pack. Yeah, as long as you don't drop the. Bag. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I saw you doing that at Moab, and I just <laughs> stole that idea. It's just the gallons yeah. of block bags. It's simple, easy, cheap. Yeah. Yeah. Right on him. Yeah. This may be over the top, but I don't know how busy these aid stations are going to be. And so to make it easier on the people who are volunteering, uh, I decided, okay, let's get a 4 by 6 of my ugly mug and tape it to the inside of the bags. And then, There's a bag that <laughs> has me. a picture of me on it. You'll find it and you'll say, oh God, that's that guy. So, you don't even have to say, of oh, me. Just... Yeah. <laughs> no, no, so this is actually a race one. I'm like, yeah, it's a really cheesy oh photo. My this God. is fantastic. Wait, there's you, there's a guy you can just say, I'm the guy with the bag. Like, yeah, right? Like, you're going to look the in there and picture. Like, there's a picture there. Like, oh, that's that they'll guy. be looking for you. Yeah, there like, has to be a layer. Expect them to have their came through. That is a good point, though. It's kind of like uh, the black luggage, you know, waiting at the carousel for your, your check bag. Exactly. Everybody has the same thing. So if you can make your drop bag unique by having you know, orange duct tape for your name, like anything that, whether it be someone else finding it or yourself, a lot like, of times the quicker yourself, you can, yeah. the quicker you can grab your bag, um, the better. And I also second, um, just using a drop bag to drop your gear. Like we often think of drop bags as taking things from it, but in the beginning of a race, like nobody wants to lose a hundred dollar jacket or, uh, <laughs> you know, or do I have bad clothes I can drop something? That's worth carrying. Yeah. <laughs> um, so do you guys change the gear you're actually going to wear when conditions are the way they are? Like, will anybody wear gaiters? I to keep out wearing gaiters for sure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't find my gaiters. So oh, no. <laughs> I heard that people going Duck through it. the um through the river crossings that there were rocks or pebbles on the bottom, so your shoes would fill up with with them, and you Gravel. did not have. Gators. Hmm. Nice. So, <laughs> Sorry, Ralph. Not to, so, not to. You can always so, dump your shoe. Yeah, question. Did everyone bring, like, what type of shoe did you bring and what age? Because I brought intentionally my crappy, like, shoes because I knew I was going to throw away one pair probably at a minimum. Did you what, so I have, I have, go around? I have one pair of trail shoes and one pair only, and that's what I got. It's the yeah. uh, Ultra Superiors. I think the 3.5, so... If those, uh, if anything goes wrong, uh, just make them last and you'll know, be in trouble. <laughs> yeah, I have the Ultra Superior 3.5 as well, and um, yeah, that's my only trail shoe that I own as well. Actually, no, I have a really old model of the Lone Peak, but not with me. And yeah, I'm bringing a backup road shoe just in case for later on miles if I need to 
put yeah. my feet into something different. What about you? Uh, yeah, I have a pair of Saucony KOAs. They're just pretty good, nice toe box. I'm just gonna wear those. And they're yeah. kind of probably more of like a road trail hybrid. Mm -hmm. So good. Uh, I'm going with a pair of Spears new ish, very few miles. So. New ish? Give, well, like. People were drooling over these. Tommy had put these like right on the table and. Yeah. <laughs> Someone tried to nice. steal them already. Yeah. yeah, we had to kick a couple people out of the house. Well, here's other 4.0s. Yeah, right. They're yeah. super light. That's a little like mountain graphic, right? Yeah, yeah, those are sweet. I don't want them. I like having the Solomon Speed Cross Fours. Nice. Okay. I'm just going with like the classic Polka ATR threes, the black and orange. I have like ten pairs of them. <laughs> I'll have eight after this race probably. Yeah, and I uh, brought a pair of Ultra Superior 3.5s and the Olympus. So the Olympus is a max cushion, the Superior is more minimal. Last year, I ran the race on the Superior 3.0, and my feet hurt by the end. So I'm leaning towards going with the Olympuses. However, the Olympuses that I have probably have close to 500 miles on them. But I think they might have one more race in them. <laughs> you, <laughs> you could put them in that drop bag for the last half of the race. I could, but I don't know. I don't, I don't like to do cheat changes. Okay. Yeah. So tonight was cool because it's a bunch of ultra runners, and we are all we're all running a race tomorrow. We're all running an ultra, and I got to see everyone's unique food choices, which I thought was just fascinating. And trying to go to the grocery store, we were like scattershot for any kind of. <laughs> Like agreement on anything, but seeing each person cook their own meal, I mean, what's what's your pre-race meal and why? Um, Dave, do you want to start and we'll just circle around? Yeah, sure. So I'm probably judging by just kind of looking at what everyone was eating here, the strictest diet, I guess. I'm 99% plant-based, so I might have some cheese tomorrow after the race. I guess it'll be well-earned. But um, yeah, so my dinner tonight... I got a sweet potato, some broccoli, some black beans, cut up the sweet potato, the broccoli, stems and all, um, found some coconut oil here at the Airbnb, mixed that all up, whatever spices we had, threw it in the oven, and the sweet potato kind of took a while, so I actually haven't eaten it yet, haven't eaten it yet, it's uh, sitting on the oven You'll see him take off oil. and start making it. Yeah, so I'm getting kind of hungry, but um, yeah, very much looking Show forward to that. I find the sweet potato is... Um, a complex carbohydrate and it works really well for me the night before a big race so hopefully that'll that's, stay stay true to form that's what tomorrow. i've done yeah. from my very first ultra first marathon was sweet potato french fries because mm. you can go like if you're traveling in the middle middle of nowhere with no grocery store like you can find a applebee you can literally get sweet potato fries anywhere and I don't know why it keeps working. Maybe I should try something different, but I'm scared too. So it keeps working. Man, bro, don't fix it. Yeah. I mean, maybe I'd be podium if. Yeah. <laughs> I think so. What about you? Uh, so I went with a chicken breast and sweet potato. And where I get a little different is I like to put either almond butter or peanut butter inside my sweet potato. Um, because I read somewhere someone did it and it worked for them. And I was like, okay, cool. That sounds like it could be tasty. So I tried it. And the peanut butter kind of melts inside and gives it a little different consistency. I've never heard to try that. Yeah, he loves peanut butter more than any any type of nut butter. I got like two things in the fridge: peanut butter, Justin's peanut butter with honey in it. Okay, inside a sweet potato and just bake it. No, no, you just put it in when the sweet potato's done. Just cut it open and throw it. Okay, okay, yeah, nice. And it's just worked for all the other races. Oh, it's unique. I'd never seen that. I'd never even heard of that. Thanks, Ryan. Cool. 
And this and yeah, uh, I'm usually on keto for my races, but uh, <laughs> I cheated this time and I don't really have a diet. So. How, how did you cheat? Um, what, what direction of food I went high complex? Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> Not tonight, but uh, in the weeks leading up to it. So we'll see how that handles and works for me. How many Oreos have you eaten in this training block? Probably more Oreos than miles. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I'll, I'll lay off. <laughs> Paul, what, what's your food? What, what the hell did you make tonight for dinner? <laughs> and he's still <laughs> eating. <laughs> you ate, you ate more. Three cents at Walmart. Um, <laughs> so it was a pretty good deal. Now I have started off with some uh, taco flavored ramen. Like, how, how did you get the taco flavor in? Oh, it's, it's Amazon, you know, it's already these all okay. these exciting flavors. I'm Wait, so you had ramen before the Cheeto? No, that was the cup noodle. It's cup noodle flavored ramen. Okay. It's taco, and I threw the, the hot Cheetos, like the lime flavor in. So that was, that was tasty. It was creative. I've never seen it. hydration. Yeah. yeah. And then um, I snacked on some sweet potato fries. I mean, I've just been eating since I got here, so what did I have for dinner? Pork chop with uh, sesame <laughs> flavoring. I got the store with uh, some brown rice and cooked pork leaf. bland, but I'm sure it's full of carbs. And then I had some barbecue pineapple and asparagus. Is there logic behind what you're eating? Like, are oh. you Paul, Paul's like Paul's a two thirty marathoner, two thirty three. Yeah, yeah he's fun. he's not he's not. This isn't like his first run. The night before that marathon, I ate at Denny's at like midnight. <laughs> <laughs> so there's no logic in any of this. It's just working. Like you're just running. Yeah, well, I'm eating things that I think are good, um, and I think this will be fine. Um, there's definitely things that I shouldn't have eaten. Like my last fifty miler, I um, there was this pie shop in town. I was really excited to get some like blackberry pie, and I also got a curry pie. But uh, I don't know if she misheard me, but instead of getting a slice of curry pie, she gave me a whole curry pie. <laughs> and I decided that the best time to eat it was the night before the race. <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't reheat that. I, mean. <laughs> I, I had a little like jet foil I put it on top of it. It burned the bottom, but got it, got it done. <laughs> so that race didn't go well. No. <laughs> I have no specific pre-race uh, foods, but it's been changing a lot because I, I was vegan for almost five years, so yeah, mine was um, similar to Dave's, I guess. Um, but tonight, we grilled up burgers, and I had a bun with it, and then, you know, we had some sweet potato fries, but I'm feeling kind of lethargic because I've been going down the lower carb route, and that's what gives me most energy. I've not found it because it's, you know, the next trendy thing. I'm just genuinely trying to find something that will help me feel good and I've struggled a lot with fatigue throughout the day and just general fatigue and not feeling well. So I just feel like that approach, higher fat, lower carbs, starting to work for me. Yeah, so i mostly vegetarian, um, but I tend to lean on carbs, so um, lately more from a cleaner source, so I had some uh, sweet potato, sweet potato fries, um, some veggie burgers I grilled up, and um, never really had any problems with diet, so I just kind of make sure I eat a lot of calories, and if I can get enough food in, I'm usually feeling pretty good. So. you mentioned your inflammation and your... Yeah, so I think just kind of avoiding some of those inflammatory oils have been really beneficial, especially leading up to the race with training. Um, kind of eliminated a lot of the um, soreness with, you know, the consistent What training. kind of oils? Did you find a connection, like, to information? So, like, I, I think a big part of it was, like, cutting out, like, 
you know, some of those processed foods, um, fried foods, fried foods um, like the... Never thought about the oil yeah, aspect so of it. I've thought of like just... Yeah, you um, want to avoid like low quality oils like yes. canola oil, just soy that's what oil. I, you yeah. solved my problem. See, I'm eating french fries that have probably been cooked in cheap yeah. oil. Mm-hmm. So that's been a, yeah, a huge game, game changer for me. I like, hadn't thought about that. The soreness, like the sore legs every day just kind of went away and... You also cut back on gluten-containing foods, just your low quality or... Yeah, so... Which is mostly fried also. Yeah, yeah the fried foods, the, uh, you know, extra. processed breads and things like that, so... Um, yeah. But yeah, I've been feeling amazing leading up to the race with the training, so looking forward to seeing how it goes. So, how is everyone's training going into this race? Like, when does your training block start? When are you like, I'm ready for this race, I'm going to throw down with... The Coconino Cowboys, if it's a good race, <laughs> or in my case, like the middle of the pack, if it's a good race. Um, like, how long of a training block do you actually define it, or is it more by feel, or like no training block? <laughs> 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 yeah, I was gonna lay off. Just wing it. One on one, just wing it. No. <laughs> yeah. Like, so when do you start? I'm I'm very like, structured with my training. Um, I'm a big big into counting miles. Um, I tend to like the have a good 16 to 18 weeks of training. So I think I started in around October and just really focused on a gradual buildup and um, doing some like hill workouts, some speed training, then kind of transitioned into more of a tempo style, longer um, steady state pace running. So um, I'm pretty happy with my training. Um, I'd like to have maybe got a little more um, volume in, but I've had a handful of 70 mile weeks leading up to the race. and. A lot of twenty plus Kids mile runs. And jobs also. I mean, sometimes life gets in the way, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, training's been really well for, so went well peak, for me. So peak out week is seventy miles for you. Yeah, for a hundred k race. Yeah, and a lot of the running's over the weekend. So, um, like what? a lot of um, like forty mile weekends. So. So what's the longest long run? These are all like kind of stereotypical questions, but it's yeah. different for each person. I mean. So um, I think my longest leading up to the race was twenty eight miles. Um, nice. And I usually try to follow that up, like the next day you run like a 12 or 15 miler, so kind of get used to that running on wow. tired legs feeling. So That's when I get hurt. <laughs> <laughs> um, and for me, uh, mine was a little different just because uh, the year before I didn't do any ultras. Uh, so I started actually building my base mileage in, I wanted to say July, June, July, August, but then... Um, really focusing, starting to really get serious maybe in November, about that 16, 18 week block as well. And then for me, I take every third week as a down week. I find if I do three weeks of increasing mileage and take every fourth week off, I end up, I feel good, you know, the first few cycles and then have a couple cycles. And then after that, I tend to have to, you know, get that burnt out feeling. So every third week, a down week. But um, my peak miles got up to 50 and yeah, similar. I had some, you know, 30 to 40 mile weekends and always trying to run the day after a long run or doing a back to back. My longest long run was 22 or 24 <laughs> miles, something like that. Yeah, I count miles. Do you guys alternate? Like, one person yeah. watches the kids. Like, that's yeah. what my wife and I do. Like, yeah. So I'm a morning person, so I'm, so I try to get out, I, you know, before six o'clock or, you know, five o'clock. I'm, you know, out running, so Jenny is uh, not a morning person. <laughs> I'd like to be. <laughs> so it works out pretty well. Um, so then, then you you shower after, do you foam roll and then 
Yeah, I do my stretching and generally. It's your turn to yeah. have the afternoon. So right? yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we don't see each other much on the weekend. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Paul? Sixty uh, K is a weird distance. I mean, are you are you just using like a fifty K type logic into this one? Uh, and... perhaps I don't have any logic for this as long as my food intake. So I've been just trying to get in as many miles as I can fit into my uh, whatever my schedule is and right now I'm like I'm a freaking Lyft driver, so it's like I can stop and run whenever I want. So. I have this weird feeling like you could just win the 60K and just be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> crazy. I think I've been looking at the 60K results and thinking like, oh, those times are slow. Because I'm kind of looking at it as a 50K, but I realized oh, it's like there's 10 more miles or 60 miles <laughs> or something. So, yeah, no. Um, uh, my last long race was like a road marathon in September, and I ate like way too much. Maybe drank too much beer, I don't know, but <laughs> it was super great, so... Um, any any kind of good feelings I can get from this, I'm excited for. And uh, yeah, I've been kind of doing it like marathon training. Like, uh, yeah. I mean, definitely li- moving out, living to Colorado has made every single run like that much harder. Like the first time I did a uh, run with Gabe butt beats on Tuesdays, and just uphills. Those are hard. Uphills were so hard. Just two, just two of those, like killer. <laughs> yeah. Where, how long have you been in Colorado? Uh, I moved out like November. So okay. Not, not super long. And then You're... I spent. The entirety of December in Asia training, which did wasn't super great for training, but I got in runs like every day. So. Nice. Yeah. How about you? For a hundred k distance, yeah. what's um, what's typical block for you? Like how far ahead are you thinking? And sixteen weeks, about. Uh, I do probably three weeks on, one week off. Um, you know, back to back long runs. I usually do my shorter run. Uh, my shorter long run before my actual long run, uh, just because I was getting in, I was had more injuries when I was doing long run with the yeah the, know, tail. the, the twenty plus That's the fifteen. Me too. So I would yeah. I would I'll do the fifteen and then the twenty ish. That's a good um, way to do it. I mean, you're gonna feel the burn yeah. in your body. So I have a young child at home, so training is just uh, getting it in when I can. Um, Definitely not as long of runs as I did last year going into this, but I also missed a couple big weeks last year, so uh, I was able to get most of my runs in. And I think 25, 26 miles was my longest. So uh, so training for me kind of took place in the middle of summer, but I had a marathon I ran in November, a 50K I ran in December, and then I had the stupid ambitious goal of let's run a 50K or farther every month this year, so like, I gotta get a 50K in January. Yeah. So I ran a 50K in January, um, but we have a nine month old at home. So shout out to my wife because she is so supportive of this and lets me go out and do these long runs while she deals with our kid who can be very difficult. Uh, she's strong willed and stubborn and she knows what she wants and she's nine months old and I'm like, great. The twos and threes and teens are going to be tough. So, um, so, so my training has been a little bit different. It's just kind of been up and down, I guess. So, I think we're getting a question from a live viewer. Yeah, we're not reading that question. (laughs) (laughs) Like we have to now, right? Somebody said. uh, Somebody said they do do peanut butter and pickle sandwiches, but this question I I don't know the answer to. So we'll move on. (laughs) I'm getting used to that on social media at this point. (laughs) I want to read that. So for. Don't worry, I, I highly edit the uh, podcast, so 
make sure to edit this section out. Um, yeah, for my training, honestly, I've been editing a book for like two months now and sitting on my butt, typing, reading, and uh, not training as much as I should, but I believe base level fitness from 2018 should show through enough to accomplish the goals that I've set out. So it's the shortest, <clears throat> or it's the first race since Moab 240 that I've done. Um, so I'm confident with the distance. I just have to be patient and hopefully I don't pull through the 200 mile speed to a hundred K. I need to try <laughs> to step it up a little bit more, but again, this is, uh, just a slow ramp. Don't get injured. That's like goal, like literally goal number one is this is the first race of the year. I have a lot of races planned out. Um, I don't want to do anything to get injured. So, yeah. So my training, um, is definitely rather unconventional. I do a lot of miles. Um, I do a lot of races at least the last few months, um, or so I have. So I just can kind of go, go quickly through it. I did Leadville back in August took maybe a couple days off and then started training for the Philadelphia Marathon where did pretty well PR and rolled right through that. I literally ran eight miles in Central Park the very next day. So don't take too many days off. Um, I did a 70 mile unsupported FKT of the New Jersey section of the Appalachian Trail on December 30th and 31st of this year. So I guess that's my longest long run of that's it. 22 <laughs> hours and 41 minutes. Oh. Um, I did the Arches 50 miler a few weeks ago. I alluded to that earlier. Um, so yeah. kind of between those races, I do a lot of miles, maybe between 70 to 80 miles a week run pretty much every day. Sometimes I take Fridays off. Um, Tuesdays, some Paul said we do Bluff Peace, which is like 11 miles, 1600 feet of gain. I think um, I've only made it through like six yeah. miles of those. It, it's a fun one. Yeah, it's <laughs> not, it's, not, supposed to be a, it's supposed to be 11 miles? I didn't know that. Well, it's 11 if I start from my house, but anyway. Oh, okay. uh, it's not crazy steep, but it's definitely on hills. And then Wednesday, this is the last few weeks, I've been doing some type of speed workout on typically a treadmill because we've had lots of snow and it's just easier during the week to get in that. And then weekends, um, when I'm not doing uh, another race, um, usually at least one 20-miler um, with a decent amount of climbing. And I think my diet, like I said earlier, I'm plant-based, um, helps me kind of stay healthy and not get injured doing all of these things, doing all these miles. Um, also yoga twice a week, some weights. So, yeah, I don't have kids. <laughs> so... I, I just have one or two more questions, and then we can um, all kind of get back and get ready for a big day tomorrow. Mm -hmm. So if one or two of you could explain tapering, is it an art? Is it a science? What works best for you? Because I, I mean, I take two weeks and just kind of do kind of a standard. Sometimes it works. The past two mountainous 100Ks I've done, it's been mile 18, and my quads are like, you screwed this up bad, but then it just cycles through and I make it, um, what, yeah, we'll just get in real quick. Um, <laughs> probably not the best one to answer this. I already have 27.7 miles this week. Okay. So, well, I mean, <laughs> just roll through it. A Michael Owen reverse tapers, like has a hundred mile yeah. week and finishes top six in a big city marathon. Like, so it's different for everyone. Different. It yeah, seems exactly. like, but what do you, what do you do? Yeah. How do you taper? Uh, I usually do at least 
10 days out, just easy, no long runs, easy runs. Uh, most, most runs are, most runs in the block anyways are pretty much recovery miles, just slow and steady, build the base. Uh, so 10 days out, hour, maybe a, maybe 12 miler on the weekend instead of a 20. So a cut weekend. mileage and do you cut intensity until um, the end or no? Because do you I'll even do, have I'll a do, slow? Or? I'll do some speed work still in my taper, like um, not like a full out workout, but you know, um, some strides here and there. Yep. Um, but yeah, really, basically 10 days out, I don't do any workout specific. Yeah. Any other thoughts on tapering? Yeah, I um, am really big on the taper. I typically do like a good three week out taper um, where I'll maybe cut my miles back about 50%. So maybe running 35 miles yeah. um, three weeks out and then two weeks two weeks before um, maybe 10, 15 miles and then the week up to the race. Actually, this, this week I didn't run at all. So yeah. or last week I didn't run at all. So I think weather kind of played a part of that. We had some pretty crappy weather in uh, Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Um, but I'm, I'm a big believer that, you know, three weeks before a race, you're really not going to get a whole lot of benefits. You can um, only hurt yourself, really. I used to, like, hate the taper, and then I've just learned to embrace it and enjoy time with my family. So, honestly, my wife loves when I taper, because <laughs> I'm definitely home a lot more and able to help around the house a lot more. Um, so, let's close with final thoughts before the race, before Black Canyon 100K or 60K. What's your final thought before the big race day? Let's hear it. Mine we'll just go around the horn and call it a day. Don't get injured. So <laughs> yeah. I want to just kind of have a healthy race and I'm planning on kind of going out um, pretty aggressive and seeing, seeing what happens. And That's amazing. What's, what is aggressive for you, just out um, of curiosity? I'd like to, you know, try and keep it under, you know, eight-minute pace for the, you know, first half. And then I heard the second half is, uh, you know, progressively harder. So just kind of adjust as I... That's like feel awesome. tired. So, and for me, yeah, um, I am competitive with myself, but uh, yeah, not to get too excited that first half because I really I love downhills and I'm not such a strong climber. And I know the second half is going to be really hard, and don't want to blow up my legs the first half. That's kind it's of hard. Yeah. I think I did that last year. And excitement and <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm under the same sentiment. I, I also really like downhills and. Uh, Hills are harder, but um, since living in Colorado, I've, like, I haven't done quite as much downhill, just the nature of the places I've been at. So yeah. I'm going to try to just uh, use as little energy as possible in the, on the downhill sections and hopefully have something left. Final thoughts before the race? Run smart. Run smart. <laughs> and Oreos. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully there's cookies at the eighth <laughs> Oh man, cookie monster. Uh, do it for the kid. I want to show her that she can do anything you set your mind to. So um, she's my motivation for it all. Just do it for the kid. My last thought, I mean, along similar lines, injury-free. First race of the year for me, and this is just a stepping stone towards big, kind of audacious goals that I really am focused on. So injury-free and have fun and have a beer afterwards and catch up with a bunch of friends. So. Yeah, so um, I'm just excited to have a fun tomorrow. Um, so strategy for the race. Some people say they're going to go out hard. Um, that's great. But after running the race last year, I think it's in my best interest to 
started out more conservatively, especially on that downhill. I'm also not the best downhill runner. Climbing is more my strength. So I do want to save hopefully something in my legs. And there's three, I'd say, significant climbs in the second half of the race and hopefully make up some ground on the field and beat my 11-hour time from last year. So just, Tom, just have fun. Tommy, close us out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, This was episode 78 of the Training for Ultra podcast. Big thank you to these guys. It's going to be a fun day tomorrow, regardless of the conditions. So thanks for trying something new, and we might do something after. I think we're going to probably be – it depends. I might not even be back tomorrow. (laughs) (laughs) Swept away in the river. I'll still – yeah. But appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you.